Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Just wanted to share something that I'm observing and um, it's more just a thing to watch out for, you know. Sometimes we have to look for signs of the times. And um, I just want to park this in your memory bank over the next few years. Maybe you'll remember this because over the last few years I've, I've been, as you know, we've been a very strong charismatic church and we've been through moves of God and, uh, and we've, we've hungered for that and still do. I've been trying to um, grapple with or work out something that I'm seeing all over the Western world uh, in particular. I'm seeing, and I'll summarize it like this, evangelicals are becoming more charismatic and charismatics are becoming more evangelical. And R.T. Kendall is a great theologian and he's in his 80s now. He's a reformed theologian quite conservative in nature but very charismatic in beliefs which in and of itself is kind of a paradox but one thing he said years ago is that the next move of God is going to be marked by the marriage of the word churches and the spirit churches and I've always remembered that and I've been watching out for that and just seeing you know like everyone just observing and um, going about our business, I suppose, but I'm seeing uh, a higher level of um, unbrandedness or, or you can't necessarily pick, especially a worship setting, you can't necessarily pick, is this a charismatic Pentecostal gathering or is this an evangelical gathering? Evangelicals are raising their hands now. When I was a, a strict little Baptist boy, Typical Baptist churches, people didn't raise their hands. We weren't a typical Baptist church, as most of you know. But that just didn't happen. And if it did, it was kind of just the one or two very, very lairish spiritual people in the room. Nowadays, that's not the case. Most Peter, well done. Most Baptist churches, you can go into and, and there'll be a charismatic expression in worship. And it's the same in Lutheran churches and, and all sorts of other evangelical mainstream denominations but here's here's why I say that because sometimes we think that God's not necessarily up to anything and yet he does things through the back door and I think God just creeps up on us sometimes and it surprises us and I've been watching in particular I've had some friends who um, I've got to be careful I hope they never listen to this podcast but I don't think they will because they live in the US now but I remember when Toronto was really hot, it was breaking out, Toronto outpouring, and our church was one of the crazy hot spots. If you, if you, I mean, literally. And, um, and I remember at that time, I had some very close Baptist friends, we were all hanging out together, and we had some heated conversations about, is this a move of God or is this not a move of God? And I'm sure many of you had these conversations and now you're just bored with even talking about it. But it was, it, you know, when God's really moving, you have these conversations. And, and it, it uh, forces out a lot of 
dross conversations that we uh, uh, have to have sometimes. Anyway, so I'm having these conversations and these guys were offended. They didn't like this stuff necessarily. They did early on and then it just just messy, rah, rah, rah. And so I, I watched these guys and they turned more evangelical. Fast forward 20 odd years on, I'm listening to these guys and they love the presence of God and they're, they're really being influenced strongly by strong moves of God, so much so that they're now speaking in some of those pulpits in the US in quite a prominent way. And if I said names and things, you would know what I mean, but um, so that they don't know who I'm talking about, <laughs> although they will. Uh, but here's the thing. God will sneak up on us and get us any way he wants to, despite ourselves, despite our beliefs, despite what we do and don't think is him, he'll get us anyway. And I think it's interesting because when I say charismatics are becoming evangelicals, what I mean is charismatics are going, hang on, we, we do need to know the word of God. We can't just have these river meetings night after night. We, we burnt out the city of Adelaide with so many conferences and river meetings. And, and so we actually, we do need the fundamentals of our faith and grow healthy churches, healthy family, healthy people who understand all the fundamentals of the kingdom of God and operate and transform lives and don't just want the same thing week after week. And then... So we've been doing that for decades and decades, and then you've got evangelicals going, wow, we want this presence. We want this presence. We're not so offended by some of that stuff anymore. And so I want you just to remember that as a five-minute pitch. Watch out in the next few years as word and spirit merge. And evangelicals and charismatics, the lines get blurred, and it's like, what are they? What, what is that church? And Pentecostals won't be... Uh, you know, they'll be looking at evangelicals, Pentecostals, Charismatics, I'll put them in the same brackets, by the way. Um, but when we as Charismatics look at evangelicals and go, wow, they're moving in the gifts of the Spirit. And, and I was watching a Catholic um, priest who's a specialist in exorcism. And isn't that interesting? We think that's just Hollywoodism. But actually, there are Catholics who cast demons out of people. The Bible tells us to cast demons out of people. And so even Catholics have a core about them of spirituality that Pentecostals these days are too scared to touch. And so when God wants to move, he'll move. When he wants to do things, he'll use anyone. He'll use a donkey. He'll use me or you or anything else. And I put us all in that bracket. But God wants to use us. And it's his grace that he uses any of us. And so that's what I want to share on today. I've called it Hallmarks of Grace. And it's not a terminology I've ever used in my life, but I had my hands deep in mulch this week. And um, if you ever need some therapy, just do some gardening for a few hours. It does amazing things for your head. And in a good way. And, and this phrase just sort of, blew into my head, along with a whole breath of mulch, dust, and all sorts of other things. But it, it just sort of breezed in and breezed out. And I thought, wow, what, what, what is that? So I just began dwelling on it, praying on it, thinking on it a little bit. And so that's what I want to share about today, hallmarks of grace. And, and here's, here's the setting for it. Grace, a lot of us know the, the definition, spiritual definition or biblical definition is unmerited favor undeserved favor here's another one for you kindness from god that we don't deserve i like that one kindness from god that we don't deserve because that could relate to any element of our lives 
Yes, being born again. Yes, discovering Jesus, being freed from sin, forgiveness, wholeness, being filled with his spirit. All of these things are encompassed by grace. But I think there's hallmarks of grace or showpieces of God's grace that you and I carry. And so I want to look at three of those things today. The first one being forgiveness, second one, freedom, and the third one, thankfulness. Here's a a quote from Max Licardo. He said, The meaning of life, the wasted years of life, the poor choices of life, God answers the mess of life with one word, grace. Knowing God's grace causes us to operate in a different way. You may have never really thought a lot about grace, or maybe you thought a lot about it, but operating in grace gives us a freedom to operate as a son or a daughter of the Most High like nothing else. When we fully understand the grace of God, I don't think any of us fully understand it, but I know for me that I get snippets at various times of of the greater elements of grace. So sometimes we we maybe are in greater need at a various time in our lives and we have a greater awakening of the grace of God. And maybe we've been through darkness in our lives. People who have sinned a lot often, they know they've been forgiven a lot. And Scripture talks about that. We'll read that in a minute. And therefore, they operate in an element of grace and understanding of the grace of God. Like people like me who have perhaps had much more vanilla upbringings and therefore haven't had that deep darkness. But people who have explored or really gone into deep places, they have an understanding and a freshness of God's grace that we often need because they've seen that stuff and they know what they've been saved from. So looking at the first one, forgiveness, people who understand the grace of God ultimately walk in a really, really good level of forgiveness. If we ourselves don't know how much we've been forgiven, and if we don't know the forgiveness of our Father, then we're not very good at giving that to other people. You know this about people when you, when you hang around them, you'll be able to get a sense of their character and of even their spirituality with the Lord. Can they actually forgive when they've been hurt? If people harbor unforgiveness, it generally then flows into bitterness and then flows into rebellion which is horrible and it rejects everything that's in the light it rejects purity it rejects leadership it rejects these righteous things that God's put in place it rejects his presence and and so it hovers around the edges because it wants to eat of the good fruit but it doesn't want to be pure of the tree of life and so you'll find a lot of people they they hover around purity but they don't want to participate in purity And when we truly recognize that we are sinners saved by the grace of God, every single one of us, we realize that we must extend forgiveness to other people, no matter how bad they've hurt us. And even if people have really hurt you really, really bad, people might have rejected you, they might have offended you, they might have abused you, some of the worst atrocities done in the human race we read stories of Corrie Ten Boom and people like this, and we, we love their stories. Why? Because of the expression of grace, forgiveness. We can only operate in that kind of forgiveness if we know the grace of God ourselves. And so to actually participate in grace, we need to daily operate in forgiveness. Forgiveness 
freedom and thankfulness, these three that I've pulled out, are really hallmarks of grace that I want to be able to operate in myself. Or things that I've recognized in other people that I would say about them, wow, they walk in the grace of God. They walk in the grace of God. There's lots of sayings about grace. Um, and even, you know, someone might say, um, thank you for gracing me with your presence. All of these originate from the fact that this word is a powerful, powerful word, an element of the nature of God that we get to participate in. So when we participate in forgiveness, freedom, thankfulness, the, the fruits of the Spirit, we're actually operating in a spirit of grace. And we want to be able to operate in that. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says this, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. None of us can boast about the grace of God. None of us can boast that we're great at anything spiritually because it's all been endowed upon us by the Father. Someone who operates daily or weekly or regularly in the gift of forgiveness, operating in this realm of forgiveness, is a free person. It's someone who, who just has a freedom about them because they're not harboring anything. I think if there's one area of my life that I want to be able to, and I remember even as a, a young man, even as a boy, you know, I remember growing up in church and, and I remember trying to think, I sort of need a one-page list of things that I always need to remember from the Bible, a snapshot list of all the things that I need to remember to be able to, you know, keep my spirituality or keep my faith in God because there seems to be so much in that book and every now and then you'd read a different verse and it's like oh I better remember that one better remember that one but if there's one thing that is a key hallmark of someone who is Christ-like it's forgiveness it's forgiveness if we fail in a lot of other things I think forgiveness gets us through those doors because it's such a powerful powerful gift to free the human from bondage first we're freed by the grace of God through Jesus' death and resurrection. And that's the ultimate grace. But when we operate in forgiveness, we're operating in the resurrection power of Christ. So when we give that free gift, or when we, as this quote says, kindness from God that we don't deserve, when we operate in kindness to others that they don't deserve, maybe they deserve something else, but you operate in forgiveness and I extend forgiveness to them, then we are flowing in resurrection power. Sometimes we want to lay hands on someone and heal them from sickness. I want to do that all the time. However, sometimes resurrection power wants to flow in these little powerful things called fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. I believe forgiveness is one of those things, it's not a fruit of the Spirit listed necessarily, but it's one of those things that you could say is a trait of God that is powerful. And when we operate in this stuff this week, this month, this year, when we release that resurrection power through forgiveness to someone who does not deserve it, I'm telling you, watch what happens. Watch walls come down. Watch offences just get ripped off your life. Watch arrows pull out from your own heart that have been there maybe for years and years and years. Because forgiveness, as John Arnott says, it's kind of like one of these things that we have this little tiny drop of poison in a cup of water. And if we choose, 
we can drink that thinking that we're not going to be affected by that one that but when we actually forgive it becomes pure and we're not then defiled by that poison because of the grace of God and when we do that we then release forgiveness to other people it's a powerful gift try it this week try it maybe some of you are harboring things from last week last month there's been little offenses or something said about you or to you or an environment of unforgiveness where you can actually bring the light of the resurrection power of Jesus and it will be more powerful than you having a prophetic word over them because it will be the cross of Jesus Christ hitting them in the face so to speak and they'll just be like, wow, that's unmerited. That's undeserved. I didn't deserve, I actually deserve you to get me back. But you didn't get me back. You extended grace to me. And this forgiveness is such a hallmark. I actually believe it's one of the most powerful because it's the ultimate act that Jesus gives to us forgiveness from our sin. Second one, freedom. Luke 7:47 says uh, Jesus talking about uh, the lady who had been in a lot of sin and she's poured perfume out over Jesus and other people were getting a bit upset. And he says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her, her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And he was talking there about the fact that you and I as sinners can come freely to him Offering our perfume, our worship. You don't need to feel guilty about worshipping Jesus if you're coming to him. Even if you fail this week, there's always forgiveness. There's always freedom for anyone who wants to come to Jesus. The enemy loves to put guilt and shame and depression and heaviness upon Christians. If we failed or if we've stuffed up, we've got something wrong, he loves to then double his efforts and make us feel bad for doing that and make us feel guilty but when we live with Jesus and we have a relationship with him and we give our sin over to him whether it be daily weekly hourly minutely it depends you know if you're like me or not but in these areas we can actually live free from the bondage of sin in a right posture with Christ by the grace of God because of his forgiveness because of his power and so we actually get to operate in a spirit of freedom maybe you've had a life where there's been a whole lot of stuff and you've seen a lot of darkness and sin and you don't feel good enough this is a perfect passage for you because this lady had been in a lot of sin a lot of sexual sin all her life and yet she comes to Jesus in an act of worship in an act of offering and pours it out all over Jesus and he says wow wow her sins have been forgiven. Interesting, Jesus knows our heart posture at all times. I know you know that, but it's, it's interesting. Sometimes we think if we're away from him, I often think uh, some people who maybe stop going to church and, uh, you know, and, and they kind of hide away from God and uh, God is right there with them. <laughs> He's right there with them, just as close as if they were here this morning or in another church this morning. He is right there with them, always looking, always watching, always listening, hearing the hurt, hearing the pain, hearing maybe the offense, the rejection or whatever it is. But God is always with us. Joseph Prince says this, One day in God's grace is equivalent to a thousand days of striving 
in your own efforts. That's the freedom grace offers us. There is nothing you or I can do today, tomorrow, next week, for the rest of our lives, there's nothing more we can do to make God love us any more than he does right now. He loves us 100% right now, even if we're in sin, even if we don't even love him, even if we're a bit sick of life, everything, whatever, even if we're blasé, even if we're living in sin or, or living in a place where we would say we're not in good relationship with him, it doesn't matter. God's love over us is exactly the same. No amount of striving, no amount of work is going to make God love us any more than he does right now. His affection for you and for me is the same right now. It doesn't matter what we do. So out of that place of grace, we then operate in freedom. Out of that place of sonship, of daughtership, we then flow like a river from a place of freedom, not to a place of freedom. And it's different, isn't it? It, it actually takes the shackles off and we realize, oh, okay, I don't have to do this. I don't have to live a perfect life that where everyone said, okay, they, they talk right, they live right, they dress right, they sound right. All of that stuff is rules and regulation and it's called slavery. Jesus came to save us from the law, which held us slaves to rules and regulations. Christ came to free us from that, break us out of the box of the rules and the separation from God and give every believer access to the freedom of Christ. You have ultimate freedom at your fingertips today. The only limitation is ourselves. It's the only limitation. The only limitation is ourselves and how much we will allow God. I was thinking this week that often our picture of Christ is so reflective of how we practically live out our faith. So if we see Christ as rules and regulations, we often become that or reject that, one or the two. If we, if we don't see him as our redeemer of our sin, then often we don't extend that to other people. If we haven't experienced his forgiveness, if we haven't experienced his grace over our lives, we tend to become quite judgmental people toward other people because we think the Father's like that to us, but he's not at all. He doesn't have those judgments. He has affection and love and endorsement of who you are. And he wants us to be so free that we can actually experience his power in freedom. I think this is a, a key area to us being people that are attractive and influential to other people is knowing the freedom of Christ. That we don't have to slap rules and regulations on anyone. We actually can live free live free. If you've been bound by expectations and obligations of other people, or maybe you're brought up thinking you, you, know, you have to wear certain clothes to church on Sundays. By the way, Stuart is just dressed dapper today. I just have to say, he has taken things to a whole new level, and I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Anyway, where was I? I'm going to go to my next point, because it rolls on after that. Thankfulness. Ephesians 4, 7 says this, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace has been given to each one of us. I think it's interesting to see that sometimes we mix grace and favor 
together. And I think there is an element of similarity in those words. But God's favor is the same for every single person. Some people operate in a greater revelation of grace and therefore they have an increased favor on their lives. What do I mean by that? If we have a revelation of Christ and his grace and his power and his forgiveness, then generally we operate in that. If, for example, you would have seen over the years many people who um, have been saved out of amazing darkness and sin and they become evangelists, they have a grace on their life for evangelism because that's personally the Christ that they know best. Some people have been healed from dramatic uh, sicknesses and terrible sicknesses. The Christ they know is the healer. And so they often share Christ the healer. And so the Christ that we know best is often the Christ that we will be revealed and revealed to other people. So exploring those different facets of the nature of Christ opens up the grace of God for us to see that many people have different gifts, different expressions, and we'll see that actually Christ apportions to each one as he chooses those gifts. And then we actually look and go, wow, God, I'm thankful for the gifts you've given me. I'm not going to try for that person's gift anymore. You know, it's very tiring. Don't know if you've ever tried it. It's kind of like if I tried to become a sprinter, I just haven't got the genes for it. But it's one of those things that I could try all my life and I, st- I just still wouldn't be. A Carl Lewis was in my day, you know, not sure who the fastest, Bolt, Usain Bolt's, you know, I know he's retired, but there'll be another one, you know, naturally. But interestingly enough, when we learn the grace and the favor that God has given us individually, only you And I can walk in that anointing. No one else can. No one else can because it's ours. It's spiritually our DNA. You and Christ. You and Christ. And he's revealed his nature to you in a way that's specific to you. And so when he apportions his favor and his grace upon your life, he's done it because he needs your gifts and talents in the kingdom. He needs what you have to say. He needs your faith. He needs your heartbeat. When I say needs, what I mean is I believe the Father's heart is that each one of his children would be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Here on earth for his kingdom purpose. I think it's interesting when we look at our own lives, if we are unsatisfied with the results then when we come back to the cross, when we are face-to-face with Jesus, often it's, it's very refreshing because very quickly we can see where the gaps are. I don't know about you, but it's something I try and make sure I do on a regular basis is just picture myself face-to-face with Christ. So not, not other people, not uh, even devotions and other things, uh, reading scripture, all of these things are essential and incredible things, but just face-to-face with him. Face-to-face with him. It will put you in a position of thankfulness no matter where you are. Because people who operate in grace are thankful not only what they've been saved from, but what they've been given to do here on earth. Of course, what we've been saved to as well. So we kind of have the best of both worlds, here and later. Thankfulness, freedom. These are grace hallmarks that I believe we're to carry. 
I want to um, share with you uh, an example, I suppose. When I think of great men and women of God throughout history and even who are alive now, there's certain character traits that I can think about, and I'm sure you do as well when you think about great leaders. They carry a grace in a certain area, don't they? They carry a grace that you could probably describe or you could, in one word or one phrase, you could say, oh, they, they have a grace on their life for this. I want to encourage you, you have a grace on your life. You have a calling and an anointing that is specific to you. Sometimes we're waiting for the doors to open, and that's not a wrong thing. But sometimes out of apprehension, doubt, fear, if any of those things are holding us back, today is a good day to let go of those things. If it's because you're waiting on the Lord for some things or for some counsel, these are good traits to have. But if it's just out of fear or it's something's holding you back that you know is not God, then it's time to get rid of those things. It's time to remove those restrictions and operate in the grace of God that he's given you because this world needs it. This world needs your anointing more than you know. It needs your voice and your gifting and your talents more than you can ever imagine. There are appointments and assignments waiting just for you. I can't do it. Jill can't do it. As spiritual as she is, Karen can't. I mean, she's doing notices. The most spiritual notices I've ever heard, Karen does. She just always wants the presence of God even during notices. And it's great. It's her grace, operating in her grace. And when we learn our grace, we learn our language. And when we learn our language, we learn our gifting and we learn how to translate God to the world around us. Sometimes the worst thing we can do is try and stuff someone else's gifting into our body and it comes out like a contorted little mutation. You ever done that? Try to give out someone else's bread and it's like that wasn't mine and that person just went cross-eyed. That wasn't for them at all. Be yourself. Your anointing is good enough. Your gifting is good enough. Your calling is good enough. Everything that you have is good enough for God. He'll take everything. He'll use it all and he'll stuff it into a thing called your human body and he'll release it and it will come out like the kingdom of God. But when we take the pressure off, get rid of the pressure, all the expectation, obligation, I'm meant to look like this, I'm meant to sound like this. I'm I mean, these days you can look and sound like anything. You're even allowed tattoos and be a worship leader. I remember as a kid, that was taboo. Leviticus used to get pulled out every now and then. Not, not so much by my family, but it was, you know, now the worship leaders, skinny jeans, you name it. All these things that we just thought, you know, God would actually come back and judge us for immediately if we, we did. I'm not saying go out and get a tattoo, but I'm just saying sometimes we're so caught up in the do's and the don'ts that we forget about our language, our spiritual language, our natural language for the culture. Here's where I think, and I want to summarize it all in this. When we operate with our grace, we carry a ease. We carry an ease about us because we know who we are and we know our God. And also, we learn how to translate. Remember that word. It's such an important word, how to translate. I'm telling you, I think Scott Morrison's a, a pretty good guy at translating right now. He knows exactly what to say and what not to say. He's baffling the bafflers. 
But he's translating very, very well. He's not saying some stuff and he's saying some stuff. He's getting hyper-religious. People all think because he doesn't say this. And, you know, and then the, the lefties are confused because he's, he's got, he's got favour right now. And it's like, what's going on? The world is turning upside down. No, he's translating. He's translating who God has anointed him to be. And he's just saying what he's comfortable with. And God bless him for it. And all of us can do that. Translating God through us, not through someone else, is, I believe, a massive key. And that looks different for a tradie, different for a person in a work setting or a, a social worker or a business person or a teacher or a studier or a student or whatever it might be. Translating the kingdom of God through your anointing looks different than everyone else's. I remember feeling really bad for... Um, I, I went to TAFE for a year. I hated it for the whole year. It was depressing. Because at home I was reading revival books. And I go to TAFE and it's like, oh, I just want to eat pies and drink iced coffee all day and this day to go as fast as I possibly can. And that's not how you end up looking like this. I stopped. <laughs> but... But I had no idea how to translate what I was reading into what I was doing. Translating God into something that's relevant and means something to people around us is so key in this day and age that I believe we need bucket loads of wisdom, so much wisdom. So I want you to stand today. I want you to lift your hands and... close your eyes. I, I believe there's some of us who are here today who have just maybe heard a little whisper from the Lord or just something's opened your eyes to make you realize that I can do this. I've been waiting for everyone else to do this. I can actually do this. And you've realized that you do have a gifting and an anointing and a calling and all along you thought you had to look right, sound right, be right. And, and yet God's waiting for me. He's waiting for me. And I can actually translate. I can be me. That's not hard. I can be me. I just wake up and be me. And it's as simple as that. And you begin to flow in his anointing. And I just want to pray for you. If you feel like that's you, I want you to, I know everyone's got their hands raised. So raise your legs. <laughs> that would look very strange this morning. Levitation in the house. I talk about signs and wonders. I want you to raise both hands if that's you. And I want to pray for you and just pray for just an incredible awakenings and fresh things. Lord, we just thank you for your grace. I pray, Lord, this week for those who are just having that fresh awakening of your goodness and the ability to be me, the anointing to just take away any slavery, any striving. Lord, I pray that even this week, even this week, you'll help us to translate who you are in us to others around us. I pray for influence. I pray that you'd break every restriction, every fear, every self-rejection of anyone who has that here today, that the revelation of Christ and his freedom and that redeeming power to heal us, to save us, to free us, Lord, will flow into us and flow through us in greater ways from this day forth. Lord, I thank you for your word, which is powerful. I thank you for every gift and every talent and every person here today. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would operate through us in greater ways. Greater ways. Greater ways. Lord, we just welcome your presence here this morning.